in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season Show. We're your hosts, Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Topic today, History of Israel after Armageddon. This will be like a third part on the Gog Magog shows that we had a little bit earlier. Ever since I did those shows, I've noticed I got a lot of heat, flack, questions, comments. Let me just say it didn't go real well, I guess. I hate to say it, but sometimes we get disappointed when we hear things that we don't want to accept to be true. And, you know, those disappointments, we have to reconcile those with God and His Word and the Holy Spirit. Those things are sometimes hard to receive because we were already setting ourselves up for another scenario, another pre-aligned theology or conception of what we thought or we were comfortable of how something would play out. So that's the hard part. Disappointment's always a a bummer. Well, today we're going to just go over basically the scriptures that got me to where I believe that, yes, Armageddon happened, but I also think that the Gog-Magog event also happened. And I'm going to show you how my, my, I guess I'm going to, we're going to go through my train of thought and what scriptures I use to get me to this understanding that I believe it was a past event. Because there's about four scriptures I used, and if you combine them all and you harmonize them all together, and we're going to go over them today, then you get this understanding of, okay, now I'm seeing what you're seeing here, and I think there might be something to what, what I'm saying. I just don't make this stuff. I don't change my views unless I really have adequate biblical backing to do that. I'm not going to just, oh, I, I just want to go with this view because nobody else is. No, I, that's not what my intention. My intention is following the information, following the research. I, I just put a lot of time and energy into biblical research. Mm-hmm. I don't expect people to understand what I and how I come to my conclusions but sometimes I don't articulate them very well, and that's well, what I'm trying no, to do now. And that's where I kind of come in because I have to talk to you, and we have to rehash things out so I can really understand. Because I'm not coming from the technical mindset that you might be coming from, or understanding all these passages of scripture together. I have to like read one at a time, maybe a several different times to understand. And it's like some people can digest a whole pizza, a whole whole pizza by themselves. And some of us have a hard time just digesting our one slice. <laughs> Before you, we go into this, I'd like you to go listen to the previous two shows on Gog Magog, a past event, and also the 70 weeks, the Daniel 70 weeks show. And I have that one that just came out. 
listen to that show. And so this one, I'm, we're going to go into, I'm going to start at Daniel 70 weeks passage. Because this is the ultimate end times passage that a lot of people use today. And we're going to start there on the timeline. And we're going to go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Daniel lays out there what's going to happen after that 490 year period time span from the Persian kings all the way until Christ came to set up his millennial reign. Mm -hmm. So this is an important passage of scripture because you get these vi vivid details. Seven things happen when Christ set up his millennial reign right. and set up and at that 490 year period at 70 AD or so, Daniel explains what happened. You want to go ahead and read Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 there? 70 weeks, 490 years have been determined upon your people and upon the holy city. Okay, so there's 70 weeks, and then he goes into seven things that are going to happen after that 490-year period. Now, you got so to listen to... this the start of the millennial reign? Yes. The okay. 490 years is when the first... We, we, we learned from Revelation that that's when the first resurrected show up. That's when the city of Jerusalem gets inhabited by Christ as a capital city, and the first resurrected are there too. And so it's the first resurrected and Christ that are the only ones inhabiting that city. Okay, so that, that, that that's area. the city of Jerusalem. But that would be called just the New Jerusalem? No, that's just Jer Jerusalem. New but Jerusalem's still coming down. We okay. haven't got to that part yet. So, But that would be the embodiment of Israel? Yes, it's Israel. It's called Israel. And, of course, the capital city of Israel would then be called, be called Jerusalem. Jerusalem there. Okay. It's still the old Jerusalem, not the new Jerusalem that's going to be coming down out of heaven. That one doesn't right. show up until the end. We're not there yet. But the only people inhabiting that are the resurrected and the saints. Yeah, according to Revelation. Okay. Okay, we get this. See, that's the information we get from Re Revelation. Daniel doesn't give us that information. He just tells us some details <laughs> about what happens. But if you go to Revelation, you figure out, oh, I see what's going on. Who's re who's inhabiting that city? No wonder why it's a sin-free city. <laughs> Only the resurrected are there, and there's going to be no sin in that city. So go ahead and read all seven of those things. Just okay. say one, two, okay. like that, and go right down the list. Okay. So one, for sin to be ended. Okay, first one, no more sin it's in that city. Two, to seal up transgressions. Okay, no more transgression, to seal it up. Okay. Transgression gone. Three. To blot out iniquities. How many different ways can you say <laughs> the same thing? No more sin in that city. Okay, go on. Four, to make atonement for iniquities. Iniquity, another that's another word for sin. In other words, no more mm -hmm. sin. Make atonement for it. It's gonna atonement's gonna be needed for that sin, and that's gonna be it. Okay, go on. Five, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Righteousness will be forever. This is the true Jerusalem here. Where there's going to be everlasting righteousness. See, that's why most preachers don't think it's happened yet. Because they're looking at the theme park version of Jerusalem. Which mm -hmm. isn't the real one. Right. We're talking about the one that Christ is reigning for right now. And where the where the first resurrected are reigning from. Right. This is what we're talking about here. So that's what's the next one? Number six. To seal up vision and prophecy. Okay, I didn't talk about this on the Daniel show. But I want to talk about this now. After 70 AD. After this event. No more biblical prophecies, according to Daniel. Mm. 
This is the last of the biblical prophecies. So any church group, any denomination that claims there's, oh, we had another vision or biblical prophecy, you know that's fake. All these other denominations that claim all this biblical prophecy after 70 AD, you know it's fraudulent because according to Daniel, that's when it gets sealed up. All prophecies, visions, all that, there's no more prophets around. It's, it, it's over because we have our word now. We have everything we need. Mm-hmm. That's why God's word. That, yeah, that's why. Yeah, we have our, the word of God. That's why the first resurrected during the thousand year reign of Christ weren't allowed to keep writing. You know, like John and all these other guys that wrote all these books in the Bible. Why couldn't they just keep writing? Because of what Daniel said here. Mm-hmm. They there's no more. We're going to put an end end Vision. of visions and prophecies. Mm-hmm. No more visions or prophecies anymore. It's that's all over. We have our Bibles now complete. You know, we know the denominations that, that, oh, we have another book of the Bible here that we've discovered later on, and there's another vision. You know that's fraudulent. Because according to Daniel, 70 AD, unless it came out before that, it's fraudulent. You know, anything after that is not biblical, not Bible prophecy. It's not anything to do with so That's how you also know that the book of Revelation was written before 70 AD. Mm-hmm. See, this is another evidence that the book of Revelation was written before 70 AD, and they're trying to say it was written after. When we know that, no, it was written before that. Because based on this, it's a part of the Bible, and it was written during a time of tribulation, which happened before all this happened. Right. It was one of the last books written, obviously. Okay, and then the last thing there. Um, seven, to anoint the most holy. Okay, and we know who the most holy that right. was going to be anointed king was, right? Right. Do I need to say it? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Right. To anoint... The most holy. See, he was going to get anointed king. This is what. So this is what Daniel said was going to happen after 490 years, exactly, and that's that's exactly what happened. Of course, we know what happened. That was the abomination that causes desolation. The whole the whole countryside had been completely decimated by the Roman armies. So basically, when they set foot on the Mount of Olives, after all of that, after the angels won over the battling of the the armies, was it was totally annihilated. It sounds to me like it was just completely, I mean, the armies just probably just used all the wood up in the area. And basically, it just, they, they, the armies were so large that, that, that were attacking mm-hmm. Jerusalem at the time mm-hmm. that they probably just completely destroyed all the land, all the trees. It, it, everything was so desolate at that point. So That's was, why it's called abomination of desolation. Right. So it was, was it, more ways than one. Was it restored because of... Christ's presence, or did they take time to be restored? Well, I think, you know, maybe both. I, I mean, obviously everything would grow back over time. Right. And, you know, of course, being immortal beings, it's not like they required, you know, anything special. So we don't know how it all worked exactly after that, but we just know that it was the land that had become desolate as a result of the abomination of desolation. Now let's go ahead and go to Zechariah chapter 14. Okay. And we're going to learn about what happened after, okay, they had Jerusalem. They had Israel there. Now we're going to learn about what happened shortly after the Armageddon events. Okay, And there shall be in that day a great panic from the Lord upon them. And they shall lay hold every man of the hand of his neighbor, and his hand shall be clasped with the hand of his neighbor. Judah also shall fight in Jerusalem, and God shall gather the strength of all the nations around them. Gold, silver, and apparel in great abundance. Okay, so now we learn about that these all these people around them were terrified. Of course they were terrified. 
They went through the Armageddon events. Well, these were the people that were not in the armies. No, these are the people that survived Armageddon. Right. And they were they, they were pooping their pants is what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, to, to say lightly, that's what they were doing because it kind of reminds you of the way the people were when when the children of Israel left Egypt after the ten plagues. Right, they were in terror. Yeah, they, they basically were told, oh, just... Uh, go ask your neighbor for, for stuff, and the people are just giving them stuff. Oh, just, mm-hmm. here, get out of here. Just you t- you take all of our stuff. We don't care. We just want you gone. Right. And so they were just giving them all these goods, and this is exactly how it's described here again because of all the Armageddon events that they were just coming up and just giving the, the, the Israel now, the new Israel, the decimated Israel, all this good plunder and everything was to say, Gold, silver, apparel, and great abundance. So they were loading up. So not everything was abundance. destroyed in in the Armageddon event. Just the the land itself was decimated to desolation. Well, the the land of Israel was decimated. Right. So and so the people the from the neighboring country, countries, neighboring peoples, mm-hmm. all came and were bringing all kinds okay, of stuff. I gotcha. And so this is kind of what happens. And but you might ask yourself, well, wait a minute now. Why do a bunch of immortal beings? need a bunch of gold, silver, and apparel like this. Materialistic stuff. They're kind of, they're kind of sounding awful materialistic here. Well, we're going to learn on the Ezekiel <laughs> passage what they needed that stuff for. See, this is why it all fits together. What did they need all, you know, why do, like you say, why did, what do angels in heaven need money for? They don't need money. They don't need gold, silver, apparel. No, no, they're already taken care well, of by the Lord. The angels, these are the saints. But the saints are like angels. Mm. They're just as powerful. As a matter of fact, even more powerful. The point is, is you become, when you get a resurrected body, you're like the angels in heaven. Right. That's what the Bible says. Right. So you're very powerful beings. You don't have any need for physical things. Not like, you know, we are when we're mortals. Right. So what were they going to use this gold... The silver, this apparel, in great abundance. What are they going to do with all this? Mm. This is where you got to read Ezekiel. See, every one of these passages has little details that they give you. And so you read Ezekiel now, and we're going to go to Ezekiel. It talks about the Gog-Magog event now. And remember, they were sitting there. They were inhabiting that area. And they rebuilt their towns, sitting there in Israel, okay, with all this plunder. That they got from the, the nations around them. Now let's go ahead and go to Ezekiel. And this is a Gog Magog event. We already had a couple shows on this, but we're going to read it again. A couple passages of scripture we need to kind of go over because there's some interesting details in this passage of scripture that we want to read. So go ahead and start with Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 8 there. He shall be prepared after many days, and he shall come at the end of years. And shall come to a land that is brought back from the sword. Okay, so it talks about, the, it gives you a hint of when this event's going to happen. And that is end of year. So this is exactly what it is. End of years is Satan's little season. That's the really last of the years that are going to account for human history. So essentially what Ezekiel was writing this, he's saying, this is all going to happen at the end of years. You know, at the end, the last epic of societal a time frame, this is when this is all going to happen. And that's but not necessarily at the end of Satan's little season. No, just sometime. It's, it just says at the end. It, it so end if, is, you know, a lot of times. Satan's little season is a conformed amount of time frame. Right. It's it could happen any time in that 
little season right. time we'll, frame. We'll get to that here. Yeah. The idea is what Ezekiel's trying to say here is that it's not going to happen anytime soon. This is all going to transpire, and all these nations mm. are going to go up against them. You know, at the end, in the end of time, really. This is why you know this is a futuristic event. And we're going to get more information on when this is, too, because there's more detail given about that it's yeah, definitely after the abomination of desolation. Go ahead well, and keep And you reading. said that that word sword is actually another word for that is weapon. Well, yeah, and we talked about that on our, our previous show. Okay. That the word sword is just another word for any kind of weapon that people might okay. carry. Which, you know, they, they, they use the word sword, but they really just mean the word, everyone was carrying around weapons. Weapons, right. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead. So when the people have been gathered for many nations against the land of Israel, which was entirely desolate. Okay, so it says here, the nation of Israel, so all the people are going to gather against, against the nation of Israel, which was entirely desolate. We've already gone over, we know exactly when that desolation happened. And here it, it puts it in the past tense. So, in other words, when the nation of Israel was desolate. In other words, the nation of Israel isn't desolate no more because they're living there now. Right. But at one point in the past, they were desolate. Mm -hmm. So, this is how you know that they've rebuilt everything. Revelation chapter 20, that this is a thousand years later. After they'd been in that land for a thousand years, the land was desolate. Back in the abomination that causes mm -hmm. desolate. It's exactly the same word. The same okay. word is used. The abomination of desolation and the word, de the, the, the land that was desolate, same exact word used. It's the same original word. So that's how you know they're talking about the land that used to be desolate. It's no longer desolate no more. There's people living there. And they're, they're dwelling in homes now, and, you know, they rebuilt that area. This is what they did. They rebuilt that land. So go ahead and continue on. And he has come forth out of the nations, and they shall all dwell securely. And you shall go up as rain, and shall drive shall arrive as a cloud to cover the land, and there shall be you and all that are about you and many nations with you. Thus says the Lord God, it shall all come to pass in that day that thoughts shall rise up into your heart and you shall devise an evil plan. Okay, so it's talking about the massive hordes that are going mm. up against Israel. That once desolated, desolate land, which we know when that happened, Abomination of desolation, but they rebuilt. So, again, they did an evil plan in their hearts. Well, well we know, a thought shall yeah. rise up into your heart. Well, we know how that thought showed up. Well, just like The devil showed, deceived them. Just like in the New Testament when Judas, that it says that Satan entered him. Right. But he can, I think, if people are already tipping in that direction, that he will, like, it, he'll kind of encourage that momentum so he can have influence over them right and this is kind of describes the same thing in revelation chapter 20 you know they the great army like the sand of the seashore and stuff mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it's a massive army that's going up against her everyone wanted to get in on the loot and and of course again we know how that evil thoughts came about in their hearts right. the devil did that was deceiving the nations right deceiving the people into going up against them because Oh, we want all that wealth now for us. Well, it's the heart. Well, what does God's word say about what we are to do? We're, we're supposed to guard our heart. Yeah. That's why God is really, as his children, we're supposed to read his word and hide his word in our hearts so that we're not easily deceived. All right, let's continue on, man. We're, we're getting kind of lower in time here. Let's... Okay. 
And you shall say, I will go up to the rejected land, and I will come upon them that are at ease and tranquility, and dwelling in peace, all inhabiting a land in which there is no wall, no bars, nor have the doors. Okay, did you hear what it says about their land? Their, their, the land and the, the places that everyone was dwelling, no bars, no walls, no, no city walls. They, they, they were uh, wallless towns. Mm-hmm. But notice that they didn't even have doors on their houses. Mm-hmm. See, this is how, again, a sin. this is what a sin-free city would look like. Hmm. No doors on your houses. You don't need doors because you know that nothing's going to get stolen. You don't need locks on your doors or your houses because nothing's ever going to get stolen out of your house because you live in a sin-free city. Right. This is a description of a city which is completely at peace and there's no crime, nothing like that. Something that we don't understand in our society today because everything is, we live in such a corrupt and evil society mm-hmm. now. You leave a lawnmower outside that can get stolen. It's just, it's, it's <laughs> pathetic. That's right. kind of the way of the day and right. age we live in. And we did have one get stolen. <laughs> the point is, is this is the day and age that they were living in. Even no doors on their houses. People could just walk right in. Right. They didn't worry about home invasions. Mm-hmm. There was no crime. They didn't worry about theft. There was no crime. That's the day and age that they were living in. This is the, that makes sense because the only ones that were there the, is the first resurrected in Christ. Right. They were dwelling safely in that town, for, that's, that's, that, that area for a thousand years. Of course, they amassed a bunch of wealth they got, remember, from the Zechariah passage. Mm-hmm. And now you know why they had all that wealth. See, mm-hmm. they didn't need it. They were using it as bait. See, <laughs> this is what we're learning in this passage of scripture. They, they baited those armies to come up against them. Right. So they could take them out. Go ahead and, and keep reading on. To seize and plunder and to take their spoil, to turn my hands against the desolate land that is now inhabited, and against the nation that is gathered from many nations that have acquired property dwelling in the midst of the land. So it says again, against the desolate land that is now inhabited. See, so again. The, the abomination that causes desolation, they're now inhabiting that land again, and now it's no longer desolate anymore. So we know Ezekiel is talking about this, the, the, what Daniel talked about, the abomination of desolation, same word used here again, to describe what Israel was in the past, but they're no longer that now. Mm-hmm. That's why this whole army is going up against them, because now it's like, oh, we want to get all that stuff that you acquired. They didn't mm-hmm. need all that stuff that they acquired in, in, in the Zechariah passage. They were using it as bait to bait all these armies. This well, massive army, as big. See, it was all God's plan to get this whole army to take this whole army out. Well, you know. I think what it did is kind of a twofold thing to my perspective. Well, and we talked about this that in Job, when Satan and God are talking, and Satan, he had asked Satan, "Where, what have you been doing?" He goes, "I've been roaming the earth," and if that's kind of a nod as to what he would have done when he was released, that he would be roaming the earth. Uh, probably the demons knew where it was at, too. Right. I mean, he's got eyes and ears everywhere. It wouldn't take him long to figure out where everything was at. No, but so, the idea yeah, is... after he was releasing that pit of his. Satan is a pretty... I mean, I, I can't help but look at him as, like, a an older teen man. <laughs> his perspective, his attitude. Like, he's got this cocky man, behavioral... 
outlook and he's like, I'm going to do all I can. I'm going to beat God. I'm going to use these people and I'm going to just have victory over what I've finally been wanting after I've been in prison. And so I see this kind of idea that God allowed Israel to prosper in this desolate land and then all the nations around them kind of seeing this prosperity that they didn't really need, but it was for these guys to get riled up against the nation of Israel so that Satan could use them to try to attack what God kind of already designed for him to do because he knew he was going to fail. God doesn't align things and allow things to work out so that they work out against him. No, he. it's like we've said before, God uses Satan as a tool. And that's kind yeah. of how he kind of, I hate to say it, but he kind of falls in to the, the allotted plan God has already etched out, his design for things. And Satan just plays, is just played along. In the next verse we're going to read here, we learn where these armies came from. Essentially, they came from the north. So wherever Israel was located at that time was mm. further south mm. than what they're located at. So go okay. ahead and read um, verse 15 there. And come out from your place from the farthest north, and many nations with you, all of them mounted on horses, a great gathering, and a large force. They were riding horses. Okay, this is how I, why I believe that it's in our past. No one today is going to be riding horses to battle. To battle. Not not only that, but we're not. We don't even assemble large forces anymore, <laughs> and we don't go after big plunder anymore like this. This is not the way wars work today. It's, we don't work in the same way that they did back in those days. We don't care about. Oh, a massive amount of gold and silver and apparel. We don't care about all that stuff now. It's all about power now. Yeah. It's all about control. And so that's, that's what everybody understands now. We don't even have big armies anymore. Everything's special forces now. You know, we use drones for everything these days. If this is a future event, why would we be using horses in the future? Right. This is why I really believe this was a past event. Here it's describing a number of times in this chapter them going up on horses to fight this battle with a big horde of an army going mm -hmm. after and surrounding this, this this area. This is not something that you'd, you'd have in this day and age anymore. You wouldn't do that. It is not really a descriptive of the way we would fight war today. Right. So this is why I'm more convinced than ever this was a past event. No way we're ever going to go back to riding horses anymore in battle. Right. Okay, go ahead and continue on there. And you shall come upon my people... Israel as a cloud to cover the land, and it shall come to pass in the last days that I will bring you upon my land, and that all the nations, Gentiles, may know me when I am sanctified in you before them. So we know the purpose behind this war and why mm. God took out this whole mighty army is to, to so that all the nations would know and be sanctified. Okay, This is why Satan has hid all this from us. This war, this Gog-Magog war, I believe it did happen in our past and why it's hidden from us. He doesn't want everyone to revere God. No. He doesn't, he, he's going to hide all this, because this loss, because he doesn't want anybody to revere the Lord, like it says there, sanctify the Lord in front of his eyes. He doesn't want all that. No, he wants us to reject God and, and set him up, even though he was a loser in this battle. Right. Right. Satan, his forces, lost his battle badly, and so he's going to cover all this up. Right, he's going to tuck tail and run and then hide all the evidence that it ever took place. Okay, so go ahead and keep reading verse 19 there. And my wrath and my jealousy shall rise. I have spoken in the fire of my anger. Verily, in that day there shall be a great shaking 
in the land of Israel. It wasn't just, God's a jealous God. We, we, have, a, we have a jealous God that we're right. serving. He wants us to revere him and honor him. This is, what he, this is what he demands. And I will judge him with pestilence and blood and the sweeping rain and hailstones. And I will rain upon him fire and brimstone upon all that are with him and upon many nations, Gentiles with them. And I will be magnified and sanctified and glorified and I will be known in the presence of many nations, Gentiles, that they shall know that I am the Lord. Okay, so now we learn a little bit more detail that we didn't get from the Revelation passage. That it wasn't just fire that came down from heaven. It was fire and brimstone, right. hail, rain. In other words, all this stuff was brought down on them. All this natural stuff was, was Disaster was stuff. Mm -hmm. Coming down. And finally, fire and brimstone came down. Of course, destroying those armies and everything else. So again, we get a little bit more detail than we got in the Revelation passage here. It all matches up. It is more detail in the, in the Ezekiel passage right. that it was the same event. The point of it is that God will be magnified right. among the nations. See, that's one thing. See, that's why it's all been covered up. In the, mm -hmm. That's why I believe that it happened. And it's all been covered up in the past. Mm -hmm. Satan doesn't want anybody to know that God is the victor of anything. Right. And so he's going to cover that up. He, obviously, that's why history has been scrubbing for primarily god wants to be glorified and magnified but satan is going to erase god from history right any history that he can right. that's exactly what he did now next chapter first chapter 39 he continues on with his war and he talks a little bit more about it. there's so much detail given we're skipping past so much but i don't we just don't have time to go into everything go ahead and go to ezekiel chapter 39 verse 1 and you son of man prophesy against gog and say Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, Rosh, Prince of Meshach, and Tubal, and I will assemble you, and guide you, and raise you up in this extremity of the north, and I will bring you up upon the mountains of Israel. Okay, so again, where they were coming from, the extreme north, it says it again, so we know where these armies were coming from, so Israel was somewhere south of where mm. these armies were coming from. That's very, very clear and evident here. I have a feeling I know where they might be and might have been located or a general area. I can't prove it, but I, I think I might know, but I'm not going to say it because it doesn't matter. The point is, is wherever they were at, it was further south than where, where these armies were coming from. And I will send a fire upon Gog, and the islands shall be securely inhabited, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And my holy name shall be known in the midst of my people Israel. And my holy name shall no more be profaned. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. So now you know why he was scrubbed. God wants his holy name known that he is a protector and defender of his people. Satan doesn't want that known. He wants you to think, oh, we have a heinous God that doesn't care about you. No. If you're in God's side, that's why I don't worry about guns, weapons, and everything else. God can protect me. We learn about Job, same scenario there. God dropped his hedge of protection, but he said, hey, you still, there's rules to this war. Okay? And so this is what happened. We learn here, God baited <laughs> all these nations with all the wealth they accumulated mm -hmm. after the thousand years were up to go up against the camp of the saints and the holy ones so he could take them all out. Well, Massive I think that was, was kind of like fall into God's plan, kind of fall into the hands of an almighty God. It, it was an easy, contrived little design. Give something tantalizing that they couldn't resist, and they'll come, you know, Satan will, will rile them up even more, and they'll come and fulfill the plan that God's designed. Well, 
The last passage we're going to go over is Revelation chapter 20. Because this tells us the only thing we have in, in biblical history during the time of Satan's little season. Right. There's only one event ever mentioned in our Bibles right. about what happens during this time. That one event is this Gog-Magog war. Now the truth is, we don't know if this was at the very, very beginning of Satan's little season. Right. In the middle of Satan's little season. Or at the very end of Satan's little season. See, everyone just jumps to conclusions and go, oh, it's at the very end of Satan's little season. It doesn't say that anywhere in scripture. It just says this event will come upon after the thousand years is up. Mm-hmm. It could be immediately after the thousand years is up is when this event happened. Mm-hmm. It could be, oh, there's time went on for a while. And then in the middle of Satan's little season, that time, or it could be at the very end. We don't know. But based on the Ezekiel passage mm-hmm. that we just read in the kind of, well, let me see. The kind of hordes that were they were bringing up, everyone in horses, armed for battle, using swords and, and bucklers and everything. It's describing the kind of weapons that they would have used in our in our pretty recent past, actually, mm-hmm. within the last two, three hundred years. Mm-hmm. It's not something that in, in warfare that we'd be using today for sure. We wouldn't be using horses in battle. No one in the right mind would in today's day and age <laughs> would use a horse in a modern day battle. It right. just would never happen. Right. You would just never do it. Mm-hmm. This is why I know and I believe this event, this war, was in our past, which makes sense. Because what happens? Christ's millennial, millennial reign ends. The horde goes up against the camp of the saints very shortly after that ends. Mm. And, of course, God protects that area, protects his people. And then what happens? They relocate. Because that's why the, there was only the thousand-year reign of Christ. And it's not mentioned, well, he's still reigning now, but it's almost like he's in secret now. It's almost like, okay, he, they're going to go into and work from behind the scene during the rest of Satan's little season. It's almost mm-hmm. like, in my, in my thinking of that is Satan's little season is a time, maybe it was negotiated by God to Satan at some point, mm-hmm. that he's going to get a time where without Christ or the Holy Ones' uh, interference, that say, people can make a choice. Right. Whether to choose God, choose Christ, or choose the devil in his ways. And this is the day and age we live in. This is why I think after that war, they relocated to a new area, hidden away, working behind the scenes to help us out. What makes a lot of sense here is that if it did happen, and I'm getting more convinced that it did because of the parameters of the battle itself, it doesn't seem like it's something that will occur in our future years. The idea, though, is that if it did occur, and it would be the only real sign that we would have of this Satan's little season, why we all were hoping it would happen in our time frame, because then we'll know the end is near. But the idea, though, if it happens in that time frame of Satan's little season, that we would have to have faith that it, the end would come. And I think that's really what it is, is that this was allotted between God and Satan, that he was going to get this opportunity to come up against the Jerusalem and the saints and Jesus, they would be defended by the angels and Satan would lose. And like a loser and deceiver, he would shroud all the details in darkness so no one would know and be none the wiser. No one would be able to tell you what happened then because he's the only one in existence that could know the details of that. Everything would be scrubbed. There would be no evidence whatsoever understand, resurface the things that happened because he doesn't want anyone to know. He's ashamed that he lost. He was going to lose anyway, 
But what does he have left? He has whatever time is still ticking on his clock. And what is he going to do? Deceive all the nations or deceive as many people as possible. Go ahead and read Revelation chapter 20, verse 7. And we'll, we'll just read that one verse and we'll continue. Now, after the thousand years, Satan will be released from his prison. Okay, now, there's a detail that a lot of people miss there. See, Satan didn't just escape from his prison. No. He was released. In other words, someone or something released Satan from his mm. prison. This is a detail that most people miss. But this is exactly what the Bible states. See, I, this is why I'm more convinced than ever... That the thousand years is called like this Satan's little season was just designed just as a time that it's like, okay, I'm, we're, we're going to give the people a choice without any interference. Right. There's Christ and the, and the Holy Ones and Satan and his minions and spiritually they aren't allowed to do anything. You know, there's like rules to the warfare, right. but everyone's given a choice now. We're living in Satan's little season right now, but we can choose right or we can choose wrong. We can choose God or we can choose the devil. Satan was released for a very good reason. Mm -hmm. To give people a choice, a real choice for a time. I believe this was negotiated out. For, that's how it worked in the days of Job. God and Satan hashed out a deal. And this is how I think all these things work. We just don't, are privy to these conversations in the spiritual realm. But this is why what I think happened. And so now we're, we're looking at, okay, Satan was released. And of course, if... Christ and the saints were around someplace that we could easily see, then it wouldn't be, we wouldn't need too much faith. Right. Satan wouldn't be able to deceive people. And of course, there has to be, it has to be a fair fight. Satan can't reveal himself. God and Christ, they can't reveal themselves. That's why they went into hiding. Right. And worked from the, from the background to help us out. Well, I think it's really important that God doesn't want any distractions for us to live by faith. I think if that was good enough for our father Abraham to live by faith and to trust and obey God and to believe that he was going to fulfill all that he was going, that he promised to Abraham, I think it's the same with us. He wants us to live by faith without any distractions or any um, hints to what could happen next. In this time frame, Satan has whatever time's left on the clock. And if he tried to do his alley-oop early in the game and we didn't know about it, then the clock has to run out till his time is done. And... There's nothing left for him to do but to wait till that that time comes. Okay, go ahead and read the next couple verses there. And he will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to the war, whose number is like the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Okay, so, you know, obviously we got a lot more detail of, about that war in the Ezekiel passage. You know, it was hailstones, mm -hmm. fire and brimstone came down, mm -hmm. rain, a whole bunch of other stuff. Right. Point is, that war, God may God, ref, the, of course, the author here references that war. Right. There's only one place in the entire Bible besides Revelation here that God may God is mentioned. And that's the Ezekiel passage we just read. Only other, that's how you know it's, it's almost like the author was telling you, here, go read that passage of scripture. Right. This is going to tell you about this war. Okay, I'm not going to write a bunch of detail on this. I'm just going to tell you, go there to find out about this war. Gog Magog. Go look at that, uh, that one up in Ezekiel. And it, we, that's what we did. We went to Ezekiel. We looked it up. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, how, how much easier can it be? The author is just telling us, Gog Magog, look up that war. Look at the details of that war. 
and you'll you'll get everything you need to know about what happened during this fire brimstone scenario. Well, I think you hit it. I think God has given us every clue we need in his word. And he doesn't just want us to go with one passage and just be okay with it. He wants us to scour his word with the passages that apply to what's already been spoken and match them up so that they form this concept of what we can relate to understand what's going to aspire. And I think that's really beautiful. In essence, God has given us information scattered throughout his word to encourage, to enlighten, to inform. And we just have to trust that he'll guide us to those areas and that we can believe it without a doubt. Well, the last verse here, verse 10, it just says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown in the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Mm-hmm. See, th- this is where most people, th- their, their thinking is that right after this war is when this event that Satan was thrown into the lake of fire. Because it's the very next verse. But it's not. There's but, no immediate. But it doesn't say immediately after mm-hmm. this war was Satan thrown in the lake of fire. It just says Satan was thrown, who deceived them, was thrown in the lake of fire. Mm. So, in other words, it could be that this war was either at the very beginning of Satan's little season. Right. In the middle of Satan's little season somewhere, or at the end of Satan's... We do not know, but the indicators in Ezekiel... The fact that they were using horses and the way that they're describing this massive horde that we wouldn't really be using these this kind of... Today, almost all the war is done by the air anyway. Well, so we, we, we don't really use hordes of animals and people like this. We don't do this going after a bunch of plunder. This is not... This is describing the way they used to do, do wars in our past, but not the way we do war now. Well, I just, so, so it wouldn't have been at the end of his season because if he has 335 years, then at the end would be... At the end would be where we're at, I guess, or something. I mean, yeah, I mean, we don't know how, how long Satan's little season is. We don't know where when exactly it began, and we're not exactly sure when the end is. But it's definitely over centuries, for sure. So it doesn't seem, though, that it's something that would happen in our time frame, considering the factors of the horses and all that. So if it at all aspired to be an event that happened in the beginning or the middle... It would have happened maybe a hundred or so years ago or sometime. My thinking is probably sometime in the 1700s mm-hmm. is when this war took place. Shortly after Satan was released from his pit. Mm-hmm. And then he just re- immediately just said, here's my opportunity. Of course, I believe that the spiritual decline of the world through the thousand year reign of Christ had gone down to a level to where you had a lot of people that were enemies of Christ at this point. Mm-hmm. This is what happened to the nation of, of Israel as well. Towards the end of their kingdom, uh, the spiritual de- de- decline was so massive right. that that's the reason why you know Babylon was set loose on them right. because they were just they were they were they became so degenerated over the over the years. And I think this is what happened during Satan's little season too. And I'm going to have a show that kind of explains this a little bit more. But obviously, the the spiritual decline and of, of a culture, I think, was such on a massive scale that there are so many people that it was just ripe for people just to, to rebel against Christ mm-hmm. and to go after him. Is what I think is what happened. Well, it kind of sounds like also it happened at Armageddon. Armageddon was the beginning of Christ's millennial reign, right? But but the and, people there were not. It was a 
the tribulation was tough for all believers. So those who were, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, the heads of the churches or the, they, they were kind of, they were even doing that when Jesus was around, they were not agreeing with him and, you know, wanting him over Barabbas. And it was basically a, a continual through that process, a defiling away from God. So I'm going to give you a brief overview of what I think happened through the history of Israel from Armageddon on. Christ returned after the 490 years and he set up Jerusalem as a sin-free city mm-hmm. with him and the first resurrected living there in those cities. And okay. we learned how that worked. It becomes the capital city for his millennial reign and the first resurrected. And that's okay. the reason why it becomes a sin-free city. Because mm-hmm. no one that's mortal live, is living there anymore. That's how, no what, we, what we learn. No mortals live there. It's only immortals that live there. And, of course, that's why it's a sin-free city. The wealth began to pour into the city. Because, you know, we learned that from Zechariah passage, okay? Mm-hmm. But it was all, of course, of all the remaining nations around them. The purpose of that, and, of course... The, the purpose of all that accumulating the wealth wasn't so that they could hoard all this wealth no. because these immortal beings didn't need all that. It was a trap. Mm-hmm. For all for later on, you learn what they were using that. Of course, the once desolated land wasn't desolate anymore, but it was mm-hmm. desolate at one point mm-hmm. at the abomination of desolation was rebuilt. And of course, what would what the houses look like? They didn't even have doors on their houses mm-hmm. because it was that safe of a city. No walls, no city walls, no bars. It was a sin-free city. That was for a thousand years. But after the thousand years was up, Satan got released from his prison and provoked the hordes mm-hmm. to go up against that city to get all that loot. That's why it was such a massive army. And my guess is that, that there was probably a lot, lot of loot in that, in that city to make because everyone wanted to get in on the action. The people that are that were part of the war, they got the loot. If you didn't go to war, you didn't get the loot. That's the reason why they all banded together, a massive forces, big as the sand, as, as many as the sand of the seashore, all got together. Of course, this is all a trap for well, God. It, I think it's interesting. I'm just in here listening to you say it, and I think it genius. It was genius plan. Yep. Because Satan, God knew Satan would not be able to resist coming up against Jesus and the saints. He couldn't resist it. He's released, and he sees where they are. He sees this opportunity, and all he maybe has to do is encourage this horde to go up there to get this plunder, but he didn't care about the plunder. He just thought if they got the plunder, they'd also take the city, and he would get what he always wanted. You know, he'd get to defeat Jesus, his only opposer, and he'd win. But he just did not see that... These people would go against that, but they weren't. They they could try to get that plunder, but the whole idea was that God wanted them to all come to them. Those two evils to unite. They'd come against Jesus, and he would. They would all be defeated. Of course, we know how the, the whole war war ends. It really ends before it even really begins. <laughs> there really is no war, even though it, you know it, Revelation is actually called a war. But right. uh, the only one that ever lost anybody was was the the, sa- the satanic side, and of course fire rained down from heaven, hailstones, rain, all this other stuff, right. and basically destroyed and wiped out the entire army. And it was just the army that got wiped out, guys. It, it, it the Bible is very clear about this. It wasn't like everyone on earth was wiped out from the fire and brim, brimstone coming down from heaven. It was just the armies around the nation of Israel. 
that got wiped right. out. Jesus and the saints, I believe they relocated after that point for the remainder of Satan's little season. And that's where we're at right now. And that's the reason why we don't know where they're located at. But I don't think that they're in the same location now as they were back then at mm -hmm. the very beginning of Satan's little season. I believe they're, they've relocated to a secret location and are working behind the scenes to help us out so, to, so that we can we can still live by faith right. in this day and age. Okay, so cool. that's the reason why we don't see them around and we don't see all the wonderful things that they could do because that would rob us of our faith. If you think about God's design and purposes for all of our lives, he wants us to be trusting and obedient and reading his word, but he wants us to know that we are able to be victors because of who we believe in and who we serve. And if we know that and having to endure whatever time is left for Satan to have his season, we can do that. We can trust the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understandings, but acknowledge him and let him guide us through his word and his Holy Spirit. And we will endure however long we need to till this end is, is done. But see, what people want to do is they want to go and they, they want to go to the part where it says, after the thousand years were ended, Satan was released. And then it took him hundreds of years to deceive the nations to go to war against the camp of the saints. We don't know that. We don't know that. But this is what people want to think. Or it could be the other way around that, no, he immediately went to war against the camp of the saints mm -hmm. and lost. And then the big cover-up, and this, I believe, explains the mud flood events, the empty cities. A lot of things are now, I think, because if this war happened in our recent past, I say recent, last few hundred years, I think this may explain a lot of these unexplainable things that, we, that we've always wondered about. Empty cities, mud flood. I think maybe this event might, might explain the mud flood. Mm -hmm. It might explain all the empty cities we see around. With all those people dying, maybe all the people, they had to abandon all these cities. And that's why you see all these empty cities mm -hmm. around. This explains in our recent past things that we know happened that aren't talked about in our history books. And Satan's not going to do that. Because right now, I, I still believe people have been calling me a full preterist because I changed my view. No, I believe that we're still living in Satan's little season. It's just that we aren't living... We're living further along in Satan's little season when I first thought. We no longer have to look forward to the Gog-Magog event right. because that's already in our, in our past. I believe that happened at the very beginning or towards the beginning of Satan's little right. season based on, using, based on what they were using for the, on, on the warfare. The way Ezekiel was describing the horses that they used and stuff that we wouldn't use for war today. This is why I believe it happened early on. Now, what we're waiting for now is just... To run out the clock because he had a certain amount of time right. and that's all he's doing now. He's in desperation mode, corrupting everybody, doing all this stuff. And that's what this whole season is about is him deceiving the nations. And that's what he's doing right now. Well, you know, that's the thing. That's actually good news for us. So we don't have to worry about being deceived and going up with the nations and going up against Gog and Magog and going against the saints. So that's like a whew. Okay. That we're not going to be de deceived enough to do that. That's good. Or our loved ones. But then what we have to do is stay on guard. Stay connected to the word. Stay connected to the Lord in prayer and through the Holy Spirit. And not give up. And just trust that God has a plan. All along he's had a plan. Satan's never going to win. We just have to stay true and endure to the end. We're living in Satan's little season. Not only because it's biblical, but because it's the only thing that makes sense. 
join or contact us at satanslowseason.org. This is a non-copyright Living in Satan's Little Season production.